Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. chapter 1 and verse 18 for as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers you weren't redeemed by those elements but we were redeemed with a precious but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot Amen, the power of redemption. Lord, I love you today, and I ask you to just touch my mind today. Strengthen my heart and help me to just serve as a conduit through which your spirit, power, and presence can flow today. Challenge our hearts to remember where we were and where we would be had it not been for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. And and you can be seated. The Word of God continually unfolds, I believe, just unfolds the truth concerning who we are in Him. There's not just one gigantic aha, gotcha moment where we see where we were and where we are. I don't believe we could comprehend the magnitude of that for one thing, but I believe that as we begin to to not just study, when when I say study, I don't really want to us to always just kind of get the image of sitting in a chair at a desk with a Bible and concordances and things of that nature and commentaries. But when we study, when we travel through the Word of God, and I think we should do that. I, I, I heard something alarming. Um, uh, uh, yes, uh, let's see, Thursday, uh, this week. <laughs> being so specific, it was about 2.30 in the afternoon, and uh, that there is a vast majority, a horrifying percentage of Americans, and these were just statistics on America, that that of American students that graduate from high school and or college that never even complete reading a book after they receive their education, whether that is a high school diploma or a college degree. Because somewhere in your mind, we have this idea that I've got it. And so many people never even complete reading a book of any sort. So that's kind of challenging, isn't it? To think, I was stunned by that. And to think that if we feel like that just receiving the Holy Ghost and being water baptized, which are all essential to salvation, but if we just think that is... I've got it, and we never have to travel, feel the need at least to travel through the Word of God, we're going to miss something. And what we're going to miss is the unfolding truth concerning who we are and our real identity in in Christ. And so this passage of Scripture reveals our significance personally in Him 
and I believe the riches of His grace in our lives. And so I think it's important to recognize how the Lord is at work. And I get that sometimes we don't want to be, we're so afraid of being prideful and, and, and as well we should be cautioned or there should be caution in our heart about that. But at the same time, the enemy works overtime. Before the throne, night and day, the accuser of the brethren is always busy and demeaning and devaluing. I'm not alone in this building when I go to the altar and pray and, don't, and there's that condemning voice that, why are you praying about this again? Seems like you ought to be a little further down the road than this. And there's that condemning. So if the devil is doing all he can to keep us beaten down, I think it would do us well to review the unfolding truths of the Word of God that teach us who we are. Those things that lift us up, in other words. And so as the light of this revelation begins to shine, we begin to see this privileged position that we have in Christ. Amen. The man in Scripture that, uh, by the name of Naboth that had a vineyard understood something, not that he just had an inheritance of property or real estate or not that he had just inherited um, a vineyard, but Naboth was eminently aware of the privileged position of where that property was located because the Bible said it was nigh to the king's house. And so I think it, is, it would do us well to understand the power and the privileged position that we have. Amen. I'm thankful for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful to be called out. Amen. I'm thankful for His power in my, in my life. And so I truly believe that as we walk in the identity of the Lord and that revelation begins to dawn on us, <laughs> that it will impact every area of our life. I think it should. In Ephesians 1 and 7, Paul says something very powerful, and I think it's worth make, making sure we understand the magnitude of what uh, the Apostle Paul is saying. And so Ephesians 1 and 7, the Bible says, in, in whom we have redemption through his blood, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So, so just hold that scripture for just a moment. We have redemption through his blood. We have the forgiveness of sins. And so we have redemption and we have forgiveness. And all of this, watch carefully, is according to the riches of his grace. Redemption, forgiveness, according to the redemption of his grace. And so we have received from God a redemptive pardon. And this is what it means when he says, in him we have redemption through his blood. The word redemption comes from a Greek word that, that, uh, re, that means to release from captivity. To release from captivity. And so, I'll say it again, if we have never viewed ourselves as being held captive, if you've never, if you don't view yourself as being held captive, you may have a harder time understanding the privilege of this. But if you've ever been held captive by something, you can relax. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but there are many people in this building that may not have been behind literal bars, but we have been held captive by vices of sin and things that we didn't think we would ever gain the victory over. Amen. And so when we have been set free from those things, that, that phrase was used in Roman times uh, it, it, to, to mean the, the paying of a ransom uh, to purchase a slave. And so by, by the time we make our way to the New Testament historically, the Roman Empire, according to history, had as many as 6 million slaves. 
So you can just imagine that by the time of the setting here, that uh, th- this is a major business. This is not just a problem. I understand that slavery would be a problem. This is not just a problem, but slavery has become a major business, in, and that business was found in the buying and the selling of slaves. And if someone was a slave and another person wanted that person to be free, then you just couldn't sign a document in order to free them. You had to purchase them in order to free them. There had to be an exchange, a currency exchange. And so when we read the word translated redemption in this passage, this is what's in view. Someone is purchasing someone else, buying them out, redeeming them out of the captivity. He is paying the ransom to purchase someone else's freedom. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. I'm going to tell you that we should never be able to hear the story of the cross and not be moved because it was through the process of the cross that we have been redeemed. We should not ever be able to hear the resurrection story and not be impacted by that. Because it was through the resurrection that we were we that we were redeemed, redeemed through his blood, which was a sacrifice. And so the sacrifice that cost him his life provided for us ours. It is said a pastor met a young boy outside the sanctuary, the church where he pastored. The little boy was carrying a little beat up rusty cage, several birds. Wild birds fluttered around inside of this cage. So the pastor asked the young man, he said, where, where did you get these birds? And he said, well, I, I trapped them in a field and, and I have them here. And so he said, well, what are you going to do with them? And he said, well, I, I'm going to play with them a little while. He said, but I got an old cat back home. And he said, when I get home, I'm probably just going to feed them to the cat. The pastor said, uh, could I buy those birds? He said, well, you, you, you don't really want these, these birds. See, these are wild birds, and they don't sing, and they, they can't talk. You can't train them or teach them. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, I understand that, but I'll give you $2 for the cage and the birds. And he said, well, uh-huh, okay. I just want you to know, sir, you're making a bad investment. The exchange was made. The boy went away, happy to have a couple of dollars in his pocket, The pastor walked around behind the church building and opened the door of that small wire cage and he set those birds free. And the next Sunday, he took that old rickety cage and set it on the pulpit and he used that as an illustration to talk about what I'm talking about here today. I will purchase them. You may think it's a bad investment, but if they stay in your hands, you've already declared what their destiny is going to be. But I... I think it's worth the investment here to purchase them and set them free. Amen. So we we were destined for destruction, and we got to keep that in our mind. But he paid the price, not with coins, not with currency, but he paid the price with his own blood, with his own life. And our redemption can only be found in him. And so it is in Jesus Christ and he alone that we are set free. Because of his shed blood on Calvary, we've been redeemed. And so what did that redemption buy us? Amen. According to our text, it brought us forgiveness of our trespasses, forgiveness of our sins. 
Amen. The Bible talks about the Lord's Prayer, which is a principle of prayer, not just to be mimicked or or recited, but a principle of prayer that we should forgive our trespasses as we should forgive those that trespass against us. Amen. We should forgive our debt debt uh, debtors as we uh, as we, our debt as we forgive our debtors. There should be this overflowing, unrestricted aspect of forgiveness in our lives. Amen. And we have this. We have this. Notice Paul's wording here, according to the riches of his grace. Amen. The word grace comes from the Greek word that that really means unmerited favor. It's not something we earned or deserved, but God has chosen to give us grace in a very specific manner. It is given to us according. Can you say that word with me? According is given to us according to the riches of his grace. He could have been just paying for it out of the riches of his grace. Amen. But he didn't pay it out of his riches. He paid it according to his riches. There's a vast difference between the two. It is said that that John D. Rockefeller, who was one of the richest men in the world, used to often have himself photographed dressed in his very best giving a dime to an orphan. And so he would, it was, it was not uncommon for him to do that. He would dress up and get an orphan, and he would have someone take a picture of him giving an orphan a dime. And the dime doesn't seem like too much in 2020, but to some of those boys, and especially in that day, it, was, it would buy significantly more than what it would buy today, of course. But not only that, but this came from John D. Rockefeller. It was of his fortunes. Amen. But it's worth noting something, that when John D. Rockefeller reached in his pocket and pulled out a dime to give to an orphan, he was just giving from, he was just giving from that famous account Rockefeller account. He was just giving from that. It was just one dime, frankly, that would have never been missed in a million years. But just imagine what would have happened if John Rockefeller said, I'm going to bless you not from my fortune. I'm not going to bless you from my account, but I want to bless you according to my account. Amen. Instead of getting a dime, that young that young orphan might have received a beautiful home and who knows with a Rolls Royce in the front yard because if he was giving accordingly, he could have certainly done that and also never missed it. And so I want to tell you that God today, what we feel in our heart, he's not reaching in his pocket and he's not giving us from his grace. He's giving us according to his riches. He's not giving us from something. He's given us according to that. It matches. There is harmony. There is harmony. And I will tell you today that I am thankful that we are receiving according to the riches of God's wonderful grace. Because God has vast and limitless storehouse of grace. In Jesus Christ, we have been given a redemptive pardon. I want to go back to Ephesians, if I may. Ephesians 1 and 8, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. Not only have we been given a redemptive pardon, but we have also received a new perspective by the revelation of the Lord. We receive this new perspective in all wisdom, according to Paul, and insight. Now, these are interesting words that that Paul uses. Wisdom has to do with coming to an understanding of 
uh, uh, of eternal principles perhaps in life uh, and, and uh, such as the meaning of life or the existence of God, uh, the reality of heaven, the reality of hell. Uh, we have somewhat of a grasp on time, understand a little bit about eternity, etc. All of these have to do with wisdom. On the other hand, Paul says he uses not just in all wisdom, but he uses the word insight. Insight has to do with a more practical understanding. It enables you to apply what that you do know what we do know to aspects of everyday life. So in verse 8, Paul uses this interesting phrase, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Now the word mystery, the word mystery here in context of this scripture is not meant to be mysterious. Amen. The term really refers to something which was hidden but is now made known. Amen. It, 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 and so the word mystery is that that was hidden but it is now made known. It is something that has been revealed. And can I tell you that God is not in the business of hiding things from us. He wants us to discover more and more and more about him. Amen. The longer I serve him, the more I trust him. Amen. The, the, the song it's writer is right. Sweeter gets the journey every day. Amen. Not because life is getting better. Our life is becoming more problem free. Not because everything is going our way. But sweeter gets the journey every day because there is an unfolding of who we are. There's an unfolding of what we have. There's a revealing. There's an unfolding of who we are in the Lord. I'm thankful to know who we are in the Lord. Amen. In Acts 17 and 28, the writer says, for in him that is in Christ, we live and move and have our being. It is in him. And so this mystery with which we have been entrusted and for which we are now responsible. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says that we have been made stewards of the mysteries of God, stewards of the mysteries of God. So here's the question. Here's what it boils down to. What are we going to do with what God has shown us? What are you going to do with the knowledge of salvation when you leave here today? Well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a missionary. I'm but what are you going to do? Because the Bible says that we are stewards of the mysteries of God. And do you know that for many people in this building that salvation is no longer a mystery? It once was. You felt a drawing to come to God, but you didn't know how to work out all these details. But the Lord, in the unfolding and revealing of himself to you, convicted your heart. You knew that you needed to repent. The Lord led you, amen, that, that it was essential for me to be water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. We knew when we reached the end of that journey that that wasn't the sum total of it all, but I need to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and that is going to be evidence with the speaking of other tongues like it was in the book of Acts chapter 2 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Amen. It's no longer a mystery. Amen. Because it was something that was hidden but it has now been revealed. And so if the Lord has revealed some truth to us and said now I'm going to make you steward over that revelation the question is what are you going to do with what God has entrusted to you? Are we going to sit on it? 
We're only going to sing about it, talk about it, think about it whenever we come back Wednesday. We're going to just put it on the shelf until we get back here next Sunday. What are we going to do when we meet people that have not had this experience if we are stewards of this great gospel? You see, the responsibility of the church is not just to come to church. The responsibility of the church is to be the church. And they went house to house and they taught and they shared. Amen. And they presented the gospel. It wasn't just those hand-picked men that went sharing the gospel. But men and women were converted and those converts began to share and thus the church, you know, the Bible talks about, I mean, it was a great calamity if you're just kind of reading the scripture and you think about all the turmoil that happened and right after, I mean, you're just right after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You're not very far, you're not very deep into this story before all the world blows apart and they were scattered abroad. And we think, oh my word, what a calamity. I mean, the church... They, went, they weren't scattered abroad, but wherever they went, they went preaching. Amen. So what looked like a calamity was really the hand of God saying, I'm going to scatter you out and you become a voice. Amen. You become a voice. And I believe that only eternity will hold the true record of how many congregations, so to speak, how many groups of people were impacted and converted by those that were just sharing the gospel we all have a responsibility. Not just people with titles, not just people that are leaders, not just people that are called to pulpit ministries. We all, we all have a responsibility. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. Paul says that we have a redemption. And through this redemption, we have a revealed perspective. But he also says that he has given us provision. And, and, and Paul calls this provision and inheritance. The Bible clearly indicates that, that this is a generous promise to believers because 2 Peter 1 and 4 indicates that God has given to, unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Ephesians 1 and 3 says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Romans 8 says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children, heirs also, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. So he's not asking us to go just a few pennies and hope everything works out. But he is going to give us whatever we need. He's going to have provision. In other words, it is by God's choice that we have received this inheritance and this inheritance is not just... Random. This is not just an arbitrary exchange of gifts. But the inheritance has a purpose. God desires to make us a positive reflection of His glory and His grace in the earth. God wants the world to be able, pardon, pardon me for using this word, but I think it maybe describes what I'm trying to drive home. I believe that God desires to showcase the church to the world. Now, that shouldn't make us high and lifted up, but I believe that God wants the church to be a showcase to the world of what His grace can do in the life of humanity. Changed. Redeemed. 
I want to tell you that some of your friends still can't believe the change that's happened in your life. They may not walk up to you every time, may not fall at your feet every day, but they're still moved and impacted by the change that's happened in your life. And how do they know that change? It's because God said, I want you to, I want you to live before men so that they might know me that they may see me in you. How we live, how we conduct ourselves. And, and I want you to think about something with me. Jesus said in John 10, 14, Jesus said this, talking about us. He said, I know my sheep. Now that can be comforting <laughs> or frightening. <laughs> For the Lord to say, I know you, we could say, man, that is cool. The Lord knows me. Or we could think, I know you. I know you. I know you. And so on the heels of that, I know you, he still moves. I know about your sin, but I still forgive. I know about your disease, but I still heal I know about your needs and I will meet that supply. I know about your fears, but I'll bring peace. I know about your weakness, but I'm going to bring strength. And I know about, I know about your, your propensity at times to drift, but I'm going, to, I'm going to bring you back in check. I know about those things. You see, there's nothing that God can't handle because of the power of redemption. I'm respecting your standing, but I want to share something that... Uh, there was someone that I know well had earlier in life had some issues where uh, they were in trouble with the law and, and uh, it wasn't necessarily a life of crime that led them to this moment but a very poor decision and a very horrible thing happened and it and it it was a forever change. Of course, when things of that nature happen, not only many times do people wind up through the court system and sometimes even in penitentiaries, but because of the mark on their record, if you have a felony, of course, many of you know that there's a lot of things that are taken away from you. Your right to vote, your right to bear arms, and perhaps many other things. Life changed. Life changed. After many, many years and many appeals for a pardon, it finally happened. A letter from Tallahassee, a day, a time, an appointment. They made their way to Tallahassee unaware really of what, you know, the future held. Finally, their number was called, their name was called. They walked into a room, not sure what to expect, but there sat just a scant handful of people, but one of them was the governor of our fine state who had the power in his pen to sign a document and to say, your record has been expunged, pardoned. It was a strange thing to walk in that door one way and walk out of that door 
with every right you have ever had in your life restored in a moment of time. In a moment of time. (laughs) I know that everybody will not travel that road to be able to experience that moment. But we should never forget what happened in an altar of prayer when we walked down unsure of what was really going to happen. Unsure of the outcome. (laughs) The person that I was speaking to telling this story said, I didn't really know the governor would be there. I thought maybe just someone representing them would be there and and but he but 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 he was there. And so we don't know what's going to happen when we come to an altar, but aren't you glad when you got here that you didn't meet an underling? <laughs> aren't you glad that when you got here you, you a servant didn't come down to meet you, but we met him, the one that had the power in its pen, the one that had the power in the blood to redeem us, to purchase us, to buy us. Oh, dear God, let us never fail to be moved by the power of redemption. If you've been redeemed and would like to respond with a thank you to the Lord right now, amen, I think that would be appropriate. Amen, let's magnify him in this, in this service today. Magnify him in this song in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.